Welcome, everybody, to the inaugural edition of The Nest. My name is Jun Chu, and I'll be moderating today's discussion. Thanks, you all, for joining us. Uh, first of all, I should note that uh, this is being recorded, and we will be distributing this online. So please, no profanity or insults uh, unless they're directed at me. Um, also, we'll be having more entrepreneurs join us next week and the week after, and hopefully the week after that. So if you like this, please spread the word to entrepreneurs, to angel investors, and to those who just want to watch. Uh, with the coronavirus lockdowns worldwide, I do hope that this will make confinement a little less boring. But before we get started, I'd like to cover a couple of basic technical tips for us. So first of all, oops. First of all, if you are not speaking, please mute your record your microphone so that we don't hear everything that you say. Uh, if you notice, you came in muted, and you can unmute by clicking on this button on the lower left-hand corner of your screen. I believe most of you figured that out. Um, also, we'll be allowing questions for the audience. So if you have a question or a comment, please feel free to write them down in the chat box, and we will review them and uh, read them out loud as necessary. Uh, Maxime Servataz, who is also online, will be reviewing the questions, and feel free to shout out anything pertinent uh, as you see them come through on the chat box. Finally, um, you likely see a whole bunch of different screens on the video. So if you want to see just the person speaking, um, you can click on the center uh, button here in the video box, and that will show only the person who is speaking. Um, or if you're tired of seeing me, you can always just click this minimize button and that screen will go away altogether while you can still view the shared desktop. So on that note, i like to get started. Um, the first entrepreneur presenting today will be Insect Pro. The second will be, oh, actually, I'll go through on that presentation. We, oh, let's talk about the business angels first. Well, so first of all, there is myself. I'll do a quick introduction of myself. There's also Pierce Clark. And that's all there. Uh, a quick introduction of myself. I'm the founder of Untapped and Delo Haiti. Uh, I do a fair amount of angel investing, mostly in technology companies, but I've also invested quite a bit in social impact ventures in the delving markets. Uh, one of my interests is in helping entrepreneurs find the capex financing to make uh, their entrepreneurship or their businesses uh, thrive. So that's my approach. And um, I hope to find different partners uh, through this forum to work with in the future. Should I hand it over to Piers? Piers, would you like to say a few words about your background? Can you hear me now? I've just taken myself. Yes. Right. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Jim. Um, uh, and 
I don't know whether you can see me on video. I prefer that you looked at me on that photograph because that's clearly about 10 years ago before, before I, I aged considerably. Um, I am, as it says there, I'm a water person. I'm a scientist by first degree, PhD in civil engineering, in particular around public health. Um, uh, and I've worked for a number of consultancies and big water utilities. I was the commercial director for Thames Water, which is the water utility that serves London. Um, I'm currently the chairman of a technical consultancy called Isle, which uh, employs about 100 people and works with something like 300 or so water utilities around the world. So we've got offices in South Australia and North America and places like that. So we're a small business, but spread very thinly. Um, and we have invested, we, we tend to give 25% of our profits uh, we invest in entrepreneurs in developing and emerging countries, um, particularly ones who work in water and sanitation, but not strictly ones that work in water and sanitation. Uh, and it's uh, terrific to be on this, this group. Thank you. Thank you, Piers. Vincent? Hello. Uh, so I'm Vincent Aubert. As you can hear uh, with my terrible uh, French accent, uh, I'm from this beautiful country uh, at home, like uh, most of you probably, uh, now already for close to six weeks. So uh, I really applaud your initiative, Jim. I think it's a great idea to give us this opportunity to review some, uh, some business and uh, and uh, hopefully uh, we can help them in, in some ways. Uh, now my background, I'm a father of four kids and now already a few uh, grandkids. So that gives you an, an, an idea of, of my age, uh, just uh, past the 60s. So I used to work uh, in the beverage, as you mentioned on the chart, uh, for uh, many years as a head of uh, the international business of uh, Orangina Schweppes. And before that, I, I spent about 10 years at Danone, at the board of the water business, uh, managing uh, the export business and uh, a lot of uh, initiative in new countries. Uh, and prior to this, I, um, I worked for an American company, P&G, for about 15 years in various geographies uh, and, and in sales. So um, for the last few years, I've been investing in uh, about 12 companies uh, that I'm uh, where I'm more more or less involved um, and I set up uh, a few NGO in uh, mostly in education uh, and uh, and now my focus is really around um, I'm trying to move away a little bit from from education and and focus more on um, on new energy and on uh, helping the the important transitions that we have to to do uh, to um, help our planet to do a little bit better than than now. That's about it. Great. Thank you very much for joining the show and taking the time and for the introduction. On that note, I'd like to move on to introducing the entrepreneurs. We have Talash, Emilian, and Tesh who will be joining us. And uh, they will be introducing themselves and their companies in a bit, so we won't go through that. 
Um, I should note that uh, we will be having this uh, every week and week, week after. And so we really encourage entrepreneurs such as Talash, Milia, and Tesh to submit applications through the website, uh, findthenest.org. And uh, hopefully we can find and discover a lot more interesting ventures and inspirational entrepreneurs around the world. For a quick summary of the format, uh, just to give you an idea, we will have a five minute presentation and uh, we'll be very strict on the timing. So you will be cut off at five. Um, and then we will have a five to 10 minute question and answer session and discussion with the panel. And uh, we are open to questions from the audience, but only if time allows. And then hopefully we'll be able to talk about potentially uh, making a deal. So uh, everything is open, everything is possible on the show. So I encourage you to think out of the box and ask for what you need. On that note, I'd like to hand it over first to Talash and uh, her company, Insectapro. I'm going to stop my sharing. Hold on, if I can. And hand it over to Talash. While you are uh, putting that up, oh, there you are, very fast, very fast. Uh, <laughs> looks like we have a poll going on in the meantime. Uh, we will leave the poll up and uh, let people talk about that until we go on to the next one. Excellent. All right, over to you, Talash. Thank you, Jim. So as you all know, my name is Talash Hybers, and I'm the founder and CEO of InsectiPro Limited, and we're based here in Nairobi, Kenya. We want to make Africa more food secure through creating profitable, sustainable, circular food systems with the help of insects. Why insects? Because we see the beauty within the beast. So why are we looking to change the food systems? Which food systems are we focusing on? Why are we doing this? So as you can see, the population of Africa is expected to double by 2050, and this is related to an increase in food demand by more than 50% and almost up to 100%. This is the front end of the chain, but we also have to look at the back end of the chain. The back end of the chain shows that in Nairobi city alone, more than 2,500 tons of organic waste are produced daily. And in Sub-Saharan Africa, this is expected to increase threefold by 2050. So the food chain that we decided to focus on was the animal feed industry. So currently, animal feed makes up more than 70% of the cost of production here in Kenya. And of that feed, more than 60% of the cost is based on protein. So current sources of protein are fish meal, soy, and things like sunflower seed and cotton cake. The main ones, fish meal and soy, are not available in large enough quantities. They have to be imported most of the time. And in terms of soy, the protein component is really low, so you have to add other things to balance it out. And in terms of fish meal, the protein component is very high, but it's also very expensive. Our solution is the black soldier fly. The black soldier fly is this incredible little insect that can take organic waste and break it down into four different products. For protein, fertilizer, fat, and chitin. Compared price quality to fish meal and soy, it's a better option. 
and they have such a fast life cycle that in, that in 14 days, the product is ready for harvesting and processing. So our, our system looks a bit like this. We go to a lot of the big industries here in Kenya, so the people who peel potatoes, the people who bake bread, and the people who make beer, and we collect their waste. We take this waste, we put it into a recipe, which we then feed to our bugs. The bugs are then sorted into either fertilizer and chitin or into protein, which then goes into livestock, into meat, human consumption, and the fertilizer goes back to the field. This for us works. It's also how we're helping close other food supply chains. So we help them get rid of their waste so it doesn't end up in dump sites. And we help them create fertilizer, which then goes back into the field. Like I said before, our products are fertilizer, protein, chitin, and oil or fat. So what does our model look like? So our model is centralized and decentralized at the same time. We have central egg production and manufacturing because those are the most expensive steps and also the most difficult. In egg production, it holds more than 90% of the risks. But once the eggs are five days old, nothing can kill them. So most of, currently, most of our eggs go into our own rearing system, but a percentage of it goes out to farmers who can then use it to directly feed to their fish, or we have a buyback model. This allows us to increase our capacity without increasing our centralized capacity, but it also allows us to help the farmers bring down their costs immediately. So when we started, we started with two kilos in 2018, and right now we're up to a capacity of one ton a day, and we're growing towards five tons a day. We started with myself, and currently my team is composed of more than 50 people working flat out to work on the outdoor model, but also increase our own capacity. Our expansion plans, as we're looking at it now, is we're gonna expand our Nairobi facility to a five-ton facility. We want to build a facility in Kisumu in Western Kenya. We want a facility in Uganda, and we want a facility in Rwanda based on population in those cities and also based on the amount of waste coming in. So do you also see the beauty within the beast? We would like to work together. Well, thank you very much to Lush for that great presentation. I hope, um, and, and Brian Dolan says applause, so I think we should all applaud. Thank you. So I'd like to hand it over to questions from Piers and Vincent, and I, will, I also have some questions. We'd like to start first. Yeah, I'm happy to go. Um, so, Tavas, I've got two, two questions, really. Um, one is, uh, I, I know other people have done something similar to this before, um, and I'd love to hear your perspective on what others have done, what they've got right, what they've got wrong. Um, you know, what are you learning from your competitors, and have you got a, a sort of unique edge to it? The second one is, is what could go wrong um, here? You know, this is all about understanding the downside. So I, I yeah. have maybe wrongly, but in my head, I've got what happens if the eggs, if you don't stop the eggs soon enough and they turn into a billion flies, what do you do then? Or is this, am I worrying about something that, that could never happen? And just give me some reassurance around what, what's the worst that could happen if things went, went pear-shaped on you? The worst thing that has happened, and it's happened to our biggest competitor in Kenya, is that they faced colony collapse. But like you said, that was a very good learning point for Insectipro. So we took our egg system is, we have it, our elite colony. So our mother stock that keeps on running. 
but we already have other locations where we're producing eggs that if anything happens to these ones, we can take immediately from there. But what we also do is um, genetic mixing in. So we take from our other facilities around the country and we bring the eggs and put them back into our system to ensure that you don't get funky flies, you know, with wings that can move. And then uh, that's how we're assuring. The thing about uh, a billion flies, the, most, the reason why this insect is trending around the world is that they don't have a mouth. So they're unable to spread disease once they're a fly. And because they can't spread disease, they're not a danger for you know, malaria or carrying cross-boundary cross diseases. But they also can't eat, which means that they die within seven days. So they just become flies, they lay eggs, and then uh, they, they die. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Thank you for that. That's very good. Thank you. So, uh, Vincent speaking. Alash, thank you for the presentation. Uh, for me, it's a kind of Chinese because I really am not familiar at all with uh, your business. Uh, it looks like it's a very promising business. Uh, now, I have as well two questions. First, uh, you know, when, when I look at uh, entrepreneur and, and small, uh, small or, or starting business, I mean startups, I'm, I'm very interested to know, to know uh, your background and what you've done before and how did you end up uh, doing this kind of activity, which I found really interesting. That's my first question. And my second one it would be uh, to have some uh, idea on, on, your, uh, on your financials. So what kind of turnover do you do today? What kind of gross margin, net margin do you have? And uh, what are you really looking for uh, in the future? Okay. Uh, who am I? Uh, I studied international food and agribusiness in the Netherlands, so I have a strong agricultural background. That's also because I grew up on a farm, a horticulture farm, but still a farm all the same. And how we got interested in this is we actually wanted to farm fish because we see aquaculture as a next frontier in livestock production. So because when we were looking into how to farm fish, we came across the fact that unless you're farming a few tons a month, it's not profitable. And the reason is because of the feed. So then we looked into what component of feed is the most expensive because we're thinking, okay, maybe we can replace that with something cheaper. But protein is really hard to replace because it's a building block for the animals. So like, let's grow proteins. So my dad's one of my dad's companies, he grows uh, insects, but insects for biological pest control. So we started running a bit with insects and that's how we ended up on this little fly. And then uh, the financials, currently we're at uh, 80 cents a kilo. That's a production of one ton a day. And we're selling for around a dollar, a dollar twenty, a dollar ten, depending on the customer. When we go up to five ton production, we cut our costs in half. So that takes us from a profit margin of thirty three cents currently to a profit margin of seventy three cents a kilo, times five thousand kilos a month. And what are your current revenues today on that topic? We just scaled commercially a month ago. So currently we're outputting, it's around $1,000 a week. $1,000 a week. Yeah. So you're looking at, uh, okay. And what are your uh, running costs per month? 
our running costs per month are around $15,000. $15,000, okay. And how much have you raised so far from whom? Uh, right now we've raised 450K from uh, private, private investors. Okay, great. So what, one of my questions is, um, and I appreciate that, Sal, your question about uh, who you are. And I, I, you know, I think uh, so much of, a, of this is coming down to the entrepreneur and whether you're truly committed to, to the longer term vision or not. Uh, it's easy to give up. It's easy to give up because things can get hard. What, make, what motivates you? What, what makes you want to do this? What makes you uh, want to work through the hard days, the hard months, the hard years? Uh, we have two big motivational factors. My team and I, we really believe it can make a difference. And I, I thought I was crazy, but now we have 50 crazy people working together. And we've tested our products a lot. So our neighbor, he has 62 pigs. And last year when we were starting this, we're like, we're not going to start this because, you know, Google can be all nice and pretty, but we want to see it in action. So we went to our neighbor and we said, can we have 10 of your pigs and we try a BSF, uh, an insect meal replacement? And he said yes. And in uh, Kenya, in the region where we're in, it's really cold. So pigs take between six to eight months to grow. But the pigs that were eating the insect meal-based feed, they were growing in four and a half months. So our farmer was extremely happy in the growth time for him it cut costs of two weeks and we continue running trials there he's happy we're already seeing very big differences at the end point i think it's because like i said i come from a family of farmers so you can already see the kind of struggle it's really deeply embedded in our agricultural blood okay interesting so uh... I, I believe in this market. I think uh, obviously food demand is going to go up through the roof and uh, being able to grow enough um, feed and so on uh, for, for the agriculture is important, but I'm sure there's competition. Um, I, I believe Sanergy is a competitor in this field and they're a bit of a donor darling. They, they've raised a lot of money and um, uh, I've done, I believe quite a bit. I don't know what they've done in this field specifically. How are you going to win against them? How are you going to exit? Uh, as an investor, I, you know, obviously I'd like to see the impact, but I also want to see my money back. I want to make some money. Uh, what's your exit strategy and how are you going to beat out your competition in that exit strategy? The first thing or the thing that we're really good at is egg production. A lot of our competition struggles very deeply with egg production. Also, the way we've done it, the way we've kept costs so low, because other competition of ours, especially in Europe or in South Africa, their running costs are around 2 to $3 per kilo, which means they're selling their products for very expensive. We took the most low-tech, we completely Africa-proofed our system. So we have a lot of tech in place, but all of it is extremely low-tech. It's easy to replicate and it's easy to manage. So we have no you know, high-tech systems that if the power fails and we lose all our eggs, we are under greenhouses, we're in warehouses. So I think how we beat our competition is that we've really Africa-proofed our system and we've taken a more collaborative approach because uh, 
industry is very secretive. It is a new industry. I understand everybody's trying to figure it out as they go. But we are really good friends with another company in Rwanda, a few companies in Kenya, and a company in Uganda. So we share tech. We share. We have a non-competitive for each of our own spaces, but we're tech sharing. We're all learning from each other, and that's how we're trying to increase production and grow our companies. So you're gaining up against energy. We're kind of. <laughs> okay. Very good. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Um, back to Piers and Vincent. Uh, what? Uh, any other comments or questions? Uh, so if just, not, just, I'll open it up. Uh, just a very quick one. So, can you? Uh, maybe I missed it. Can you just um, clarify the revenue, the costs, and the profit at the moment? Those three uh, numbers. Uh, cost oh, is eighty-seven, eighty-seven cents per kilo. Oh no! Uh, sorry dollars. for the business. For the business, if we looked at the business as a whole at the moment, are you making a profit? I assume not. Or what's your burn rate? We just started making a profit. We burned, or we didn't burn, we used around $300,000 to set up because it is, uh, to grow big, you have to invest a lot in it. But we have started making profit now and by next year, August, I believe, we're going to break even. And, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> with our out, outdoor model, we have, uh, we're working together with a private Dutch company to develop it and it's half privately funded by us and half funded by them. So it's given us a lot of opportunity to scale very quickly outside of our current budget. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Vincent, any additional comments or questions? Well, I would have many, but I think uh, time is, is running. No, I, I don't understand what you're saying because you're saying that uh, you are making about uh, turnover of $4,000 a month. I don't know, there is some noise. There is some noise in the background here. Okay. Go ahead. Is, okay, it's fine. So with a turnover of $4,000 a month, which is the current uh, running rate, and uh, I understood that you had some cost of 15000 a month. So it means you, you keep burning some, some cash today. So I'm, I'm not very uh, uh, clear about your, uh, your financials. So for the past two years, we've focused on... Uh, hold on, guys. I'm going to mute everyone else. And then... So for the past two years, we've focused on scale. We're not yet at the scale to make it fully, fully profitable. So that's what we're looking for right now, is we need big investments into more drying technology. Our dryer is only capable of doing five, 600 kilos a day, and we need to be doing 5,000 kilos a day. So we've already taken the dryer that we have and modified the technology. It's now to take this tiny thing and make it a lot bigger. So it's about increasing capacity. Okay. We're running out of time. Um, I, I think uh, I'd like to open up to a couple of questions, one or two questions from the audience. But then I don't, we'd also like to hear from you, Talash, while we're waiting for those questions. What is your ask? What would you like? What would you like to see? What, what, how can we help you if in any way? What do you like to see from investors? Uh, we like to see two things. We like to see people who can help us not only with cash investment, but also with knowledge investment. So 
So we're looking for also people who are knowledgeable about sanitation, about business strategy, especially in expanding to other countries, but we're also looking for 250,000. And what will you do with the 250,000 and what do we get for it? 125,000 is going to go into our new dryer, our dryer that has a capacity of drying 600 kilos an hour. And the rest, the other 125, will go directly to funding our second facility in Kisumu. And you get uh, 5%, but we would also like to have a buyback clause. Okay, so 5% for 250,000. Did I hear that correctly? Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. All right, so I believe there was a uh, question or a couple of questions from the audience. Um, Maxime, would you like to read some of those questions? Or I believe also uh, Cuthbert Ayo had raised their hands as well. Okay. Yeah, there were a few questions from the audience. One was about the waste collection. You said you collected waste from beer factories or potatoes factories. How do you collect this waste and how much does it cost you to, to collect it? And another one was about the team. Uh, we heard a lot about you, but we don't know who is working for you and um, we're working with you into making it uh, possible. So the okay, the first question about waste collection, we do a portion of it ourselves and a portion is done by a third party who is very good at waste collection in Nairobi. Waste is currently, most of our waste except for the beer waste is free. So our waste collection costs per kilo is around less than five, 0 0.5 shillings. So that's 0 0.05 dollar cents per kilo. And uh, the second question about my team is uh, directly under me, we have a product innovation manager and she actually focuses on our second product, which is crickets. But she also does a lot of product innovation in terms of chitin, which is one of the most interesting sub projects we have. Then we have a, uh, COO, our chief of operations, and he's an industrial engineer, so he knows what he's doing in terms of machine design, he knows what he's doing in terms of extruders and in terms of building design. And then we have a business development officer, and the rest, most of our team comes from agricultural colleges around Kenya. And then our advisory committee is uh, composed of a few successful entrepreneurs, but also people who are very good in uh, finance and uh, grant money raising. Very good. So, uh, Piers, Vincent, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, potential investments or next steps with Talash? Okay, for me, uh, Talash, I, uh, I think you, you are probably doing a great business, but I'm really too, too far away from this kind of business to be in a position to nor uh, finance anything, not even to help you, which I would love to. Uh, my, uh, my advice would be pretty useless because I'm, I really don't, don't know anything about this. I'm really sorry. I think you are, you are working on a very interesting uh, sector, uh, but I'm totally ignorant of the sector. I'm sorry for that. No, that's, that's fine. Thank you. So, um... Uh, I think Anthony Kilbride uh, put a comment um, on the chat. 
which which captures all of this. He said he he used your quote deeply embedded in in our agricultural blood, and said, you know, this is passion you can invest in. The, the strongest thing here that's coming across so well is is that you know, you know this sector, you love this sector, you're driven, you'll get through the difficult periods because uh, of a personal passion, which I think is is incredibly impressive. Actually, while you've been talking, I, um, I've emailed on to a family fund that I know that's actually backing uh, another protein um, from insects type business. I think they, uh, they might want to be able to talk with you and I, I love to see whether we can... Um, make some some magic happen there but uh, i think you've got a really interesting business model and thank you for sharing it thank you for your comments i look forward to uh, seeing your email and talking more about this subject so from my side talash i i mean i want to echo what pierre said you know i think um uh my one of my beliefs is that um if you back the right people they they will do something with with your support and i think I don't understand um, the market very well, um, but I certainly would love to learn. I, I think the, the future of food, especially in Africa is important. And I would certainly like to understand. I don't know enough to put in uh, a large ticket, unfortunately, but um, what I'd like to do is to make an offer for a small ticket for you from my side with the potential of something larger in the future once I learn more, once I learn more about you and your company, your team. So I, I would love to offer um, 25,000 on the terms that you mentioned. Obviously it is a far cry from your 25,000, but uh, I certainly think uh, uh, this is something I'd love to support and I'd love to learn more about. And um, it's the cost of my education. So love to speak to you offline about that after we are done. Uh, perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you. Great. Well, thank you, Talash, for a wonderful presentation and discussion. Uh, and thank you, Anthony Kilbride, for the uh, comment. I think you're absolutely right. Uh, it is passion that we can invest in. All right. Uh, I would like to move on to the to the next um, to the next. And, and by the way, we we have some online polling here. If you haven't seen. And um, uh, if you don't mind, Talasha, with your permission, I'd like to share the results of the poll um, from the audience. Now, obviously, this is a theoretical poll, but the question is, how much would you invest in Insects Pro? Um, do you mind if I share that with the results with everybody? Uh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay. Great. I'm going to end the poll now. Has everyone voted? If everyone who wants to vote, please vote. We have 29 of the 67 participants who have already voted. I'll give you another 10 seconds to vote, and then we will share the poll with everybody. And while we're doing that, uh, Emilian, if you can start preparing your presentation, that would be fabulous. Sure. And I will share my screen while we are doing that. So I'll be guys. Okay, poll is ended and we're gonna share the results now with everyone. You should all see the results. Interesting, we have several who would uh, invest uh, quite a bit in your company and several others. Um, Talash, if, 
if we wanted to find out more about your company, you and your company and get in contact with you, how would we do that? Um, you can send me an email. I'll add it to the chat right now. And also you can check out our website. Which is? Uh, Insectipro.com. Excellent, thank you very much. Fabulous. On to the next presenter who is, whoops, whoops. Emilian Popa from Alara Health. Thank Without so further ado, please feel free. I'm gonna stop sharing mine and you should be able to share yours now. Thanks, Jim. Oops, it did not shit, did not end, now hold on. Yeah, did that go over? Yeah, yeah. can you see my screen? Yes, we can. Excellent, cool. So I'm gonna kick it off? Yes, please do. So hi, I'm Emilian, and I'm the CEO and co-founder of Hilara Health. And this is Dr. Boniface, who runs a small clinic in Karanguare in the outskirts of Nairobi. And when I met him the first time when I came to Nairobi, I asked him, what would you need to better do your job. And he immediately told me I would need a small lab. And that was an aha moment for me. And since then, I visited, uh, sorry, why is not my, uh, okay, sorry. Since then, I visited over 500 clinics and pharmacies. And as you can see, the quality is shockingly poor. 70% of medical decisions require some kind of diagnostics, such as basic blood test. But there are more than 500 million people in Africa who today struggle to access or afford a simple blood test. But that's only half of the story. There, each year, there are 3 million people who die across low to mid-income countries because of a lack of access to care. But there are 5 million people who die because of low-quality care. At Hilara Health, we make diagnostics more affordable, accessible, and accurate in Africa in order to bridge this diagnostics gap and improve the quality of care. And the way we do this is by harnessing the developments in point-of-care diagnostics. What you see on this slide, this exponential development in smartphone medicine and digital health has brought us to small, affordable, and accurate devices to replace the bulky, expensive legacy machines that have historically been completely out of reach to the facilities we target. So at Ilara Health, we do three things. First, we partner with those third-party manufacturers of diagnostic equipment. Second, we distribute this bundle uh, of devices last mile on a 24-month subscription contract to those small peri-urban and rural clinics and pharmacies where 70% of patients live. And, and third, we integrate those facilities and the devices into a technology platform that we build using an EMR as the basis for patient disease management. So from a patient, from the patient perspective, we have created this, this closed loop that manages the full patient journey from the initial contact to the facility to remote disease management through our technology platform and back to the medical facilities when further tests and, and treatments are needed. So you probably know that there are a few major reasons patients visit a primary health, care, health center in Africa, including those four, diabetes, cardiac diseases, respiratory infections, and pregnancy. And our first devices cover them all, from, from infections and inflammations and reproductive health, we're moving into pediatric and metabolic health, and, and, later into cancer, where every ounce of precision matters. And we target areas that are previously not addressed in the facilities we target, and therefore creating new, uh, new markets. And doctors love working with us because not only that we help improving the quality of care, 
But very importantly, we help them grow their business. We help them making more money. And, and that's a massive market. There are over 200 peri-urban clinics and, and pharmacies out there. And, and just the eight individual tests that we cover today are over a billion dollar market. And this, it's interesting enough, this market is poised to grow exponentially because previously in existing diagnostics are introducing the market. And in five years, we plan to hit 10,000 facilities generating 50 million in revenue with a 70% gross margin across our products. Today, we're in 60 clinics um, and um, in the, all of them in the outskirts of Nairobi. And by the middle of this year, we aim to expand to 200 clinics and pharmacies. And this, this 30% quarter-on-quarter growth is aggressive but sustainable. It's driven by a massive interest that we see in the field and by our salespeople, sales team converting those single facilities, but also network facilities at, a, at an increased rate. And in terms of what does it look for Ilara, our target monthly recurring revenue, which is today $250, is increasing and is driven by a mixed basket of high uh, and, and low generating, uh, revenue generating devices. And, and diagnostics are just the beginning. This is, and that's more than just a, a catchphrase. And through our network that we're building, both on the provider and on the patient side, we, we see an incredible opportunity to scale up our business by tapping into a wide number of additional and adjacent revenue streams. So how do we go there? Well, unsurprisingly, through financing. We, we've raised to date uh, seven, over close to $800,000 in, in a first round. Uh, we're raising our second, uh, a second equity round of $500,000. We actually closed 60% of it uh, last week. And, and this is uh, to help the, fuel our growth on new hires, technology development, operation support, and to drive supply and marketing. And we have what it takes to build an amazing business, from entrepreneurs to technology to medicine. Max understands the world of AI power diagnostics. Samir understands DP operations. Sam understands healthcare in Africa, in East Africa. And I understand how to build and scale distribution businesses in emerging markets. I've been a hands-on company builder and entrepreneur uh, and investor in Africa for about over uh, 10 years. And so to sum up, our vision as a team is to bring affordable diagnostics to millions of rural Africans to bridge this diagnostics gap and improve the quality of care. And, and, and plug in, while well, digitizing this African clean can plug in the innovations uh, that make sense. So with your support, we can change health, outcome, uh, uh, health outcomes on a continent with massive needs, uh, but also massive opportunities. Thank you. Thank you. Great timing, great timing. Um, fabulous, Emilian. Um, I would like to pass uh, the, the baton over to Piers and Vincent for any questions or comments. Uh, Emilian, thank you for that. Um, sure. So, uh, brilliant. The numbers look, look very impressive. Uh, but tell me, tell me about the technology. The bit that I sure. find myself worrying about is uh, lots of devices taking lots of readings. Uh, they're going to slip on calibration. They, yeah. How do you ensure the quality of the diagnosis and sure. that you aren't suddenly going to end up with a claim against you in the future? Sure. sure. Great question. We bring only FDA or C stamped uh, devices. So we, we, um, we scout the work continuously to identify not the Siemenses and the Gs and the, and the, and the Philipses of the world, but rather the, the $1 billion startups making smart diagnostic devices plugged into a phone located in the US, China, India, all of them with an FDA or a C approval. As soon as they get the approval, we bring them into Africa. And on the technology side, so we integrate, we build a, uh, think of a more like an IoT platform where we integrate okay. in the cloud of those devices uh, to number one, be able to stop them to turn them on and off because we manage the assets. And number two, to get the data out of the devices, which is super, super important, both for us as a company, 
to identify what's going to be the next device, what are the reasons the patients go to those clinics. But second, for the future, as we collect, we, we've collected more than 150,000 patient data sets to date, and we keep collecting. And, and this is going to be super important for, for the next, next phases of the company, which I mentioned earlier, which can be pharma, can be data collection, can be, can be lab, um, can be financial services targeting uh, you know, patients and clinics. Got it. All right. Thank you. No, nothing else. Okay. Emilian. I've, I have to say that I never see, I've never seen such a, a quick presentation because I think you've managed to present about 20 charts in five minutes, which is usually, you know, one minute per chart. So you've done really such a thing. That's, uh, that's brilliant. But uh, at the same time, I, I had some hard time to follow everything. Uh, the only thing I got is that you've done already uh, an amazing job, um, but I'm not sure I got it uh, all right. So, so maybe let me, let me sum up. So we do three things. We, we are, think of an asset leasing company where, uh, you know, you, you go um, and you need to do an ultrasound, uh, an echo, an echo cuff in, in Paris, right? And you're going to go to a clinic and they have this big machine, which costs $50,000. In Africa, in the, those small medical centers, there are 15,000 of them. In all France, there are 1,000 clinics. In all Kenya, there are 15,000 mom and pop shops or medical centers, all of them small, and they don't have money to buy assets. So what we do, we don't bring the $50,000 ultrasound. We bring the $2,000 portable ultrasound made by a $1.5 billion company in New York. We place it as a, as a, on a lease-to-own model in those clinics. We integrate into the cloud of the device to be able to turn it off and on if the clinic pays or doesn't pay and to get a data out of it. And those clinics, don't pay, they can't buy the $40,000 machine. They can't buy even the $2,000 machine, but they can, pay, they can pay $250 a month. That's basically our business model. We buy an asset for $2,000. We add another tablet. We add a cable. It's $3,000. We lease it for $6,000 over 24 months. That's what we do. That's Ilana today. So it's a, okay. it's a super high, it's an, it's an asset leasing applied to, to, to medical uh, devices with a super high margin, with a very predictable uh, revenue model uh, with a goal actually of getting data and a goal of covering a high number of clinics in, in multiple markets, but eventually to, to monetize this data through bringing in other, other assets, other devices, but also other service lines like pharma. We can plug in pharma in those, uh, those pharmacies and clinics we can, um, uh, we're building, we, we're building small labs today, like miniature labs to cover more demand. Uh, we, we, we really, we look at those merchants, those things as a merchant. They're completely underserved merchants. They sell pharma and they sell meds and they sell other things. We really transform, we look at those merchants and we get them ready to be able to get financial services. Today they can't access a loan. So that's kind of the future vision of what we, what, uh, what, what, what we see out. Today, it's a very predictable, simple business model. Emilia, a question from the audience that is relevant to this, which is, um, you know, there, there are two types of um, lines of business, if you will. Uh, this is coming from Brian Dolan in the audience. Uh, there's really a data uh, company or a data, yeah. data platform yeah. company, and one, the other one is an asset leasing company. Yeah. And you've merged the two, and I understand why, and I'll come back to that in a second. Plus a lot of um, distribution. Plus the last mile distribution. So I, I guess one of the questions is, if you really want to scale it, you're going to need a lot of CapEx, right? So where are you getting CapEx today? Sure, sure. sure. And oh, that's a great question. 
Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, go ahead, sorry. No, no, that's it. Where are you getting your CapEx today? Yeah, so, so you, currently, so as, as any asset leasing, asset, asset leasing company in the beginning, um, you know, we need to finance the assets through equity. So we raised $785 last year in equity. We had to buy the first assets, the 60 clinics today, equaling about 70, 80 diagnostic devices uh, at uh, $3,000 per clinic. We had to buy them through, through, uh, through equity. We're raising debt, so we are now in processing two due, two, two due deals with that funds because in any asset leasing, you need to finance the assets with that. With that. Um, but, but that's kind of a, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a vicious circle, right? More, you need more assets to, act to, uh, to, uh, to get more debt. Um, so what we're raising now, we're raising another equity round to, get to, the, to cover the, the operational costs and then to, build, to continue building the platform. But in parallel, we, we, uh, we raise debt to start covering the assets with debt. And then obviously in the okay. future, we'll, 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 we'll put uh, kind of the ladder is going to be two companies. It's going to be an opco and it's going to be an SPV, which will, will have all the assets. And that's that, that right. will, will raise that. Which addresses Brian Dolan's yeah. question slash comment suggestion of separating the two into yeah. different companies. Okay, yeah. great. Thank you, Brian, for the question. Um, uh, I have a couple of more questions, but um, Piers, Vincent, any, anything else from you? A brief, brief question. I think I got it uh, very clear now. Um, now, I'd like to know uh, what kind of, of uh, when you enter a clinic, uh, did the, the guy had some, some kind of device before, or uh, is it really a, a first attempt to, to this kind of, of uh, material? And what kind of competition do you have to face? So when we go to every single clinic and pharmacy, they tell us, I want to have a lab. Everyone. Now, some of them have some kind of devices, right? They, they may have uh, old uh, ultrasounds, you know, 10 years, 15 years ago, which barely works. Um, they may have an old blood test machines, which doesn't work. Most of them don't have anything because they can't access. They, all those small clinics make about $5,000 a month. 70% of their revenue is through selling meds. They have a pharmacy inside. They actually... Those things are bigger pharmacies and the pharmacies are smaller clinics. So they don't have money to, to buy the assets. Um, and that's why there's no access to, to diagnostics in those areas. Now, um, uh, literally the competition is the medical device companies selling the big devices, the Philipses and the G's, but they sell them to big clinics, to hospitals in Nairobi. We're in the outskirts. And you know, what's interesting in Africa, right, is that Nairobi has about two and a half million people intra, intra, in, inside the city but there are not at three, four million outside at 15, 20 kilometers outside. And that's exactly where we are. Medical device companies cover the city, the big hospitals, the mid to upper income, the 5% of the population, the 95% is uncovered. And that's exactly the situation in, in, in the other countries in Africa. Um, there are, I mean, we haven't seen someone doing exactly what we do, which is a mix of technology devices plugged into a tech platform distributed last mile with financing. There are different companies doing one of those pieces. Um, you know, there's a company in Ghana which, uh, which uh, distributes uh, small rapid tests to pharmacies, great guys, uh, but they're not tech devices. Um, there are, as I said, medical device companies. Uh, they're targeting a completely different world, uh, and there are technology companies integrating. We do this together uh, in one. There is a question from the audience from uh, Cynthia from Kuara uh, about um, about how maintenance is handled and how uh, you deal with obsolescence of the devices. Can you describe that a bit? 
Sure. So I'll start with obsolescence. That's a really interesting question because the way I, lo I look at those devices is exactly like, like we have this phone, right? And this phone was, was much bigger, much less powerful two years ago. And in one year from now, this is going to be replaced by another one, an iPhone 12, 13, whatever it's going to be. So the way we look at our assets, we know that our assets will, in two years from now, will be worth very little. So we lease them on 24 months. With that eight to 10 months, we cover, we, we discover assets in eight to 12 months. At the end of the lease, the asset becomes the ownership of the clinic with one month payment. So it's a, it's a residual value. But we know that some of those assets will actually become, there will be a next generation of the assets. So we give the opportunity of the clinic to add up, keep the asset with one month extra payment or be replaced with a new asset. And this is really interesting because that's how we want to keep them together because otherwise our lease ends in 24 months. It's one that's the obsolescence, obsolescence thing. Um, the... The, um, the support, so all our devices are covered by manufacturer support for a year and, and full, full insurance for a year. We have a two-year insurance which covers uh, the asset itself for breakage and anything else for another year. Um, and we have, uh, most of the devices actually are replaced. So the, the way we work with those startups, uh, making them, we replace them if they, if they break. There's not much technical support for a, for a small device. It's not a big machine with mechanical parts and a lot of things. I think that's, um, that's and, and we really open the way we look at, we are a gateway for those, those new, new technologies into, into Africa. Uh, and those companies work like a Tesla. They don't have a distribution for it. They don't have anything else. We, we get them, get them into, into Africa, into Kenya currently. Just a, a quick question. Um, when you place your device in a, in a clinic, I understand that the, the device is, uh, belongs to you. Um, so if, if uh, the clinic do, doesn't pay, you can take it back. Exactly. Now, what kind of, uh, do you increase the profit of, of the, the pharmacy or the clinic? Do you have some figures? Yeah. Sure. That you sure, that's a, great, yeah, that's a great question. So typically, one of those, on average, one of those small clinics make, uh, makes $5,000 a month. 70% of it is selling pharma, a bit of consultation, a bit of procedures. When we place a commercial asset, we can increase the revenue by another thousand, thousand and a half dollars, depending on the number of tests that perform. So a good example for ultrasound. Uh, uh, ultrasound in Kenya, you, you, in those clinics, is used mostly for pregnancy. Clinics charges $15 for pregnancy test. If they do 30, 40 a month, that's kind of what I do, they already added a lot of revenue uh, to, to, their, to, their, to their current 5,000. So we don't eat from their revenue, we actually add revenue. So there's a complete interest for the, for the, for the doctor to use a device. Um, uh, they, uh, we keep the devices on, on our balance sheet. Um, so we, we lease them, um, over, over time. The way we look at this model is, it's going to become a diagnostic as a service. As, as soon as we start becoming comfortable to work with those clinics, what we want to do is to start charging them per test. And I think that that's, that's a really interesting part of the thing because then it's a, it's a pure revenue share where, you know, clinics charges $15 for an ultrasound, uh, for a test, for a scan. We take $5, clinics stay, stays with 10. We can't, I, I can't do today until I really understand the volume and we can increase the volume of the test that the clinic does today. Today, they do enough to cover the cost and to make a bit of a profit. What we want them is to make more. And that's where we can really transform this into a, into pay as you go. If you want. I want to buy, I want to do 40 tests. I'm going to buy, I'm going to pay a lot of 40, 40 scans or 40 blood tests or 40, whatever else. So we're running out of time. Uh, thank you very much, um, uh, Emilien, for answering the questions, Piers and Vincent. 
what is your ask, Emilian? So um, we're raising now, we're in the middle of a, of a round of uh, half a million. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a safe, same like we raised last year. Uh, with a, with a, a convertible note. Yeah, it's, it's a YC safe. Yeah, it's a, we call it a simple convertible note, right? It's a YC safe, um, 6 million cap, 20% discount. Uh, we raised already uh, 60% of it actually last week. Uh, we're in a number of due diligence uh, processes with, with, uh, with few investors on the equity side. On the debt side, we have a separate uh, raise uh, as well. Um, mm. We think actually we're increasing our, our, our round uh, to, to get more equity and, 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 uh, and in parallel with the debt that we raise. So that's the full, full, uh, there's a full raise. So we're taking any, any basic, any tickets at you know, uh, you know, mid size or even small size. Um, what we, we want also, we, we look at the investors who can help us. Uh, because this business has not only medical, it has you know, distribution, um, uh, medical, uh, fintech, uh, collection, asset leasing. So, um, you know, as much as we understand distribution really well, we have medical advisors as well. But, but literally, we look for investors who can also, you know, help us, not just cash. Piers, Vincent, your thoughts as investors? Uh, well, I... I will have hard time to help you technically, um, but I really like your model and uh, the distribution model that you have. Um, I mean, personally, I'll, I'll be interested to to know a little bit more about your your financial, sure. um, and potentially uh, I I could be interested because I think you have really developed a very interesting model. This is absolutely not my core competency. But uh, I, I see what you've done seems really, really interesting. Uh, I, I would be more, I mean, looking at uh, your, uh, the way you develop your device, because I mean, of course, technology is involving very fast. So yeah. I mean, how, how strong are you in that area? But your distribution model yeah. seems interesting. So I, I'll be interested to, to, to know more about it and then we can exchange by, by mail. I'll reach out. Thank you. Um, it's not for me, I'm afraid, uh, mainly because it's not my, my market area and I just don't understand the sector enough. Uh, you come across as a very um, confident um, uh, entrepreneur. You know your market. You perhaps are you're almost too slick. There's a little bit of me that thinks it, it's almost too slick um, uh, the way you, you sort of speed through it. And I, there's just something there that, it just isn't quite working for me. I, I, it, it, it might be as much to do with me as it is to do with you, but I'm just trying to give you some helpful feedback. Sure, thanks. Thank you, Piers. I think from our side, this is interesting because uh, at Untapped uh, in Kenya and, and in other parts of the world, we're trying to drive a very similar asset leasing and IoT model as what you're trying to do for medical devices, but we're trying to do that uh, for water infrastructure and other uh, consumer-related uh, revenue-generating assets. And again, I, I really like how you're focusing on revenue generation. Uh, I think I'd like to explore a little bit more as well in terms of um, the valuation and the, and the model. Um, but I think what we can do right away is see if there's a way for us to collaborate on the SPV side. Um, sure. I think I might be more willing to sure. uh, pitch in some dollars uh, to be part of the SPV or part of the debt financing then on the equity side until I learn more. But I think certainly 
because we are uh, developing technology, uh, IoT technology, uh, as well as, you know, I think we're all learning on the SPV side, what is the right legal structure, et cetera. I think we might be able to share some of that learning uh, uh, you know, both ways if you, if you are open to it. Uh, I should also note that um, I've made an investment in another company that is also focused on uh, asset as a service, if you will, in re- off-grid refrigeration in Kenya. And I think that might be uh, something interesting to share ideas on. So, while I can't uh, commit to a dollar value now, I think I'm very interested in potentially participating in the SPV um, and uh, certainly working together with our local team at Untapped to see if there's uh, something we can do together. 100%, Jim. Actually, I build um, uh, my past venture is one of the solar pay as you go ventures in Kenya. So uh, I can solar share. Solar pay as you go. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So one of the, one of the few. Uh, so I can share with you exactly how we, we structure it. Okay, perfect. Fabulous. And uh, I think we should uh, share now the results of the poll. Um, I'm going to end the poll here and share the results with everybody. And uh, it's interesting. We have um, uh, about a quarter uh, saying no, a quarter investing a medium amount, and another quarter uh, investing over 100000 and then the rest uh, all over the place. So uh, that's interesting. Congratulations. Thank you very Thank much you. for presenting today. And uh, we wish you the very best of luck. Thank you. I'll reach out. Thank you. All right. On that note, uh, we're going to move on to uh, the next presenter, which who is Tesh. I'm trying to find you here in the long list. Hello, Tesh. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Would you like to start uh, sharing your screen now? Sure. Great. Cool. Is that clear? That is very clear. Okay. So shall I, I, I shall start. Go ahead and start. All right. Uh, so my name is Tesh Mbabu and I'm co-founder and CEO at Marketforce 360 based off Nairobi, Kenya. Uh, So let's take a quick glance into the African retail economy. And what we see is that millions of field sales agents and retailers act as the first point of interaction between majority of consumer goods and service brands and hundreds of millions of African consumers. So managing these large sales teams and distribution networks is such a pain for manufacturers, distributors, and financial service providers. And this is due to a number of challenges. The biggest one being outdated data collection methods. So they use pen and paper, WhatsApp groups and Excel sheets to collect data as they interact with customers in the field. And this leads to slow fulfillment of orders, error prone data collection. And most importantly, um, these companies lack real time visibility into how their goods and services are performing in the market. Uh, consequently, retailers end up with more stockouts and the consumers get, uh, have challenges with uh, accessing the goods that they need in a timely manner. So what are we doing to address this? We built Marketforce, which is an end-to-end and mobile-first field sales and distribution management solution 
So we leverage on the power and ubiquity of the mobile device, allowing these sales agents to capture data as they interact with customers in the field. And in real time, we're able to give manufacturers and distributors uh, access to this information through live web dashboards, where they're able to see who's buying their product, where they're buying it, and at what price and what they're buying it in conjunction with, enabling them to really estimate demand and be able to more efficiently service their markets and improve their distribution channels. So if you look at uh, our space, we have a number of players doing various things. Uh, the competitive advantage that we have is that we've built a system that is able to be used all the way from the manufacturer to the retailer. So we unify the fragmented distribution value chain and we really built us a solution for the African market. Uh, since we started the company slightly over two years ago, we've been able to work with over 35 brands across East Africa, in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, and Rwanda. And we've been able to process over 200,000 transactions uh, with over $180 million worth of transactions uh, through our platform. So how we make money is through a subscription model where we charge our customers for every active user of the system. And we have over 5,700 active field agents using our platform on a monthly basis. Uh, last year, we were able to get a partnership with the largest telco in Kenya, which is Safaricom. And what we're looking to do is roll out a retail ordering channel to be able to allow retailers to order for goods and pay for them directly from their nearest supplier and also be able to access working capital loans. So we have a team that is very aggressive and enterprising uh, with having experience worked in some of the top companies across the world uh, in key business process automation roles. We are looking to scale our service to be able to serve at least a million retail outlets over the next five years through a team of over 100,000 active field agents who will be using our system and that will get us to $10 million in annual recurring revenue. So we're in the middle of a fundraising, a seed round of 600,000 in form of a convertible note at a 3 million valuation cap and 10% discount. But today we're here to ask for part of that round. So we're asking for 150K uh, at double the discount. So at a 20% discount that is uh, in exchange for 6% equity in the company. And that will enable us to really roll out the retailer ordering channel, which we think is uh, a big opportunity, both during this time of COVID and post COVID. There's a massive opportunity to serve the African consumers in this way and solve the last mile distribution challenge. So um, thank you very much for the opportunity and I'm happy to take on any questions. Great timing, Tesh. That was uh, very well timed at five minutes. Thank you very much. Um, on that note, I'd like to pass that over to Piers and Vincent for any comments or questions. Yeah, so happy to jump in. So um, uh, thanks, Tesh. Uh, 
What's your biggest problem that you've got to face over the next two years? Yes, so we're, so what we're building now is we've, we've had to work with consumer, the companies that we work with are really rather manually in terms of the process of onboarding and whatnot. So we're building a self-onboarding tool and we feel that that will be the largest barrier we have to face to scale. So getting our product into a real software as a service business where we have more SMEs in terms of distributors and even manu smaller manufacturers uh, learning about our product and starting to use it. Okay. So I don't know whether that is your biggest problem, but if that's the problem that you think you've got to, um, to address, what makes you think you've got the, uh, what gives you the reassurance that you've got the skill set necessary to do this? Have you, have you tackled similar problems in the past and, and learned from those experiences? And can you give us some examples of that? Yeah, so first of all, as we look into uh, what we're doing is literally uh, helping with business process automation for the distribution economy. And in the past, we've done a lot of business uh, automation consultancy, but what we're looking to do in order to solve this problem is engage a team. So if we look at the 30 companies that we've been able to go to date, uh, I was able to sell to those majority of those companies alone. So we just onboarded a very strong business development team. And now our head of business development actually comes out of uh, us, a really large SaaS uh, company and background. So very skilled in inbound marketing for this space. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Uh, Tesh, I was also speaking. Um, I think, I mean, I found your presentation uh, really good, very clear. Uh, you know what you're doing, you know what you want, you know where you're going. So I think that's that's really clear. So congratulations. Um, I've seen many, many of, of those kind of tools in my uh, in my experience in my previous life uh, when I was running uh, sales of different operations in different countries. So. Your, your kind of, of, um, of tools is uh, obviously extremely useful and is changing a lot and involving a lot as well. So what kind of competition do you have in, uh, in Kenya? Well, you, you put it on a chart, but uh, uh, why do you think your, your application is, is better than the other one uh, in terms of uh, value for money for, for, the, for the suppliers? Yeah, so if we look at our competitive space, we have a number of players who, first of all, our consumers, a majority of them are still using either pen and paper or CRM systems that are not optimized for distribution in the African space. So looking at things like route optimization uh, and geolocation, for example, of their customers and whatnot. So all these are features that we offer. We have... Uh, also companies that are trying to build this in-house, but then they realize that uh, it's, it's quite a, some work. So we're providing a very affordable solution across the chain. And the reason we're tackling, uh, we're building an end-to-end -end system is so that we don't offer just the software as a service, but we're able to offer additional services that 
make really our ecosystem unique. So for example, for distributors, having retailers ordering through our system uh, provides them access to market so they don't have to uh, really think about that. And then having retailers also order gives data directly to the manufacturers of these goods. So they have real-time visibility all the way to the last mile and they can optimize on that. So I think the ecosystem that we're building is what really differentiates us in the market. Okay, clear, thank you. So Tesh, uh, this is interesting. Uh, I, I wish you were in Haiti because uh, our Haiti operation, uh, we, we could have very much used this tool to manage uh, our sales agents to sell powdered milk in Haiti. But I think that leads to one of my questions, which is how do you, um, how easy is it to move to another market if you needed to? And this is a very yeah. self-serving question because I'd love to use this in Haiti. <laughs> yeah, great question. So uh, I think over the next few months, that's our key priority. And we've been able already to start serving clients in Tanzania and Rwanda, for example, where we don't have operations, uh, but we're able to do onboarding online as long as you, the company we're working with does have a tech savvy team. And in the future, so we're, we're really looking into how companies will be able to self-onboard and start using the tool. So our service is actually available also in Haiti, as long as you have a team that will be able to manage um, setting up and we are able to do that, uh, the training and yeah. help. Okay, very interesting. Uh, my, my second question is, um, perhaps a sensitive one, but currently with COVID uh, around the world and in Kenya and the travel restrictions, how is that affecting your business? And do you see that as a major risk if you know, your customers aren't buying because you know, they're confined or quarantined at home? Uh, very good question. So what we've realized is actually there's a higher uh, activity for the customers that we already had on board uh, because yeah. they still need to perform their sales remotely. We have teams, for example, in the financial services space that are using our solution for telesales. Uh, what we started doing in the wake of COVID is we went into the healthcare space. We already got uh, Ilara Health, for, for example, who is now a customer and we're looking at really more companies that need that. And the second thing we're doing is, because a lot of the customers we're serving uh, do uh, produce essential goods and services. So the distribution of FMCG products, for example, continues. So we think it's a perfect time to, to take to market the retail ordering channel uh, where we have less cash transactions and people are able to order using our app and pay using the app and really it's, it's a tool that will continue to work during COVID and post-COVID. Has your business already been impacted by COVID uh, or it sounds like it, you're saying that it's a positive impact for your existing customers but uh, part of this is really about selling. Uh, you know I think one of the challenges that I face with digital tools 
um, is convincing people that they need them because you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know the benefits of going digital. And it's a big commitment to go digital, by the way. Um, you don't know that you don't know the benefits until you've done it. So how do you intend to convince um, uh, your customers or new customers to take on these tools? Yes. Yeah, so uh, in our primary market, which is Kenya, we some of the things we're doing is forming partnerships. For example, what we've done with Safaricom, uh, who have a very strong brand and already have access to majority of the customers that we're looking at. However, we our product is a substitute for some of the tools they're already using. And we, in our sales process, we have found that a lot of customers are already aware of what how digitization is really critical for them. So I'll give you an example of uh, companies with field sales agents who churn and were using for pen and paper. And that means they go away with all your customers and there's nothing you can do. And the cost of starting to reacquire customers is very high. So with our solution, as long as these guys are constantly uh, collecting information through the app, that means if even a sales agent chance, then you still have access to your customer information. So there's um, a lot of education that might need to be done. However, I think when the digital age and a lot of businesses already understand why really it is important to digitize their processes. So we, we have a similar comment from the audience and, and it's a similar question to mine, but uh, with, a, with a little bit more background and data from Michael Gray. Thank you, Michael. Uh, I'll just read his question, comment. Tanda trying to introduce a similar product, free device plus supplier agent app in Kenya and was very difficult to get each merchant to adopt such methods given the lack of digital skills of merchants and the cost of onboarding them and keeping them. Oops. Um, how do you, so, so they ended up pivoting to offering only loans to merchants. How do you intend to overcome this in your model, given that most products need to be entered manually anyway? So, um, sorry, I didn't fully understand. Do you mean retailers? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think Tanda was targeting retailers. You're not really targeting retailers, are you? But I'll let you explain that. Uh, okay, yeah, so Again, this is based on the ecosystem that we're building. We believe that's going to be the hugest advantage because um, a retailer will not use an application just to collect their skills and digitize the process. But um, the minute you introduce one capital nodes, for example- Hold on one second, uh, Tash, hold on one second. I'm gonna make 10 leaves a minute. And then I'm gonna unmute you. Okay, somebody unmuted themselves and uh, there was a lot of background noise. So go ahead, you're back on now. Um, so what I'm saying is really the key, uh, what we need to do to take over the market is in the building of the ecosystem and offering value added services other than digitization. So for example, for a retailer, asking them to start recording their sales is not really important for them but the minute you introduce the element of where we're going to be able to offer you working capital if you're recording your sales, then that um, tilts the whole equation. 
And the same applies for distributors. So rather than telling them that they're digitizing uh, how they collect orders, you're telling them that I will start generating orders for you or I will help you to get uh, working credit from your manufacturer, for example. So these are the elements that make our technology really more than an enabler, but are key okay. to them being successful businesses. Okay, thank you. Well, uh, given the, in the past uh, peers of Vincent have started, I, I, why don't I jump in uh, with, with my, uh, well, let me ask you, so are you, I think your ask is clear, which is you want um, us to participate uh, in this round in your convertible note with $150,000 uh, investment and 6% equity. So, so from my side, I am a little bit concerned about uh, what's happening with COVID and what it might mean. That may not be fair to you, but um, uh, you know, I, I think cash is always difficult. And uh, I, I wonder whether you have enough cash to write out the uh, uncertain length of this COVID crisis. So I think that would be one of my concerns. All that said, I think we'd be very interested in working with you uh, in Haiti to use as a customer of your product. And as a customer of your product, over time, you know, we can continue to have the discussion and see if uh, this makes sense to, to, to make, a, make an investment. But this is certainly a product that I, meaning the low Haiti in, in our operation in Haiti, would certainly need. So uh, love to love to be a to be your first Haiti customer if you're open to that. Great. Okay. Cool. Pass Thank that you. on to. Thank you. Uh, from my side, I um, I don't think one hundred fifty thousand is going to see you through. You are, you need to be asking for a bigger sum. I I think it would be, um, it would be money. Good money chasing bad money, I think. So um, it's not for me. Okay. Yeah, just to clarify, our seed round is 600K. So I just, I, I made a 150K offer for this. Uh, yeah, yeah, I get that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Piers. Thank you, Tash. Uh, quick feedback as well. Well, I think you, you're doing something really uh, interesting. Now I'm I'm putting my money on on things which make some impact, either you know environmental, social. Yeah, I don't really see it. So uh, it's not that I don't like what you're doing, but I've done this for many many years. So now I'm moving to some other things. So good luck with this. Uh, I'll, I'll be more interested to look at the health stuff that we've seen just just before. Sorry for that. No problem. Thank you very much. Thank you, Vincent and Piers, and um, thank you, Tesh, for presenting. Uh, and I, I do wish you best of luck in the COVID times. I should note that there are different uh, um, I should, uh, uh, donors and even investors who are now putting together emergency funding vehicles for helping small and medium-sized enterprises like yours access capital. I wonder if... Um, accessing some of those would be useful because I think, um, you know, again, if I were in your shoes and I'm sure you are thinking about this, but uh, we don't know what's going to happen over the course of the next nine months. 
with um, with with field sales and sales in general. And I could see how uh, virtual sales might be aided by your product. Um, um, but again, I think uh, it's going to be a potentially a trying time. So I wish you the best of luck. And uh, just to let you know, I'm going to give uh, everyone just a couple more seconds to put in their votes. But uh, we have 29 out of 53 voters who have voted on um, on Market Force 360. Yeah. And I'll give you a couple more seconds, and then we will end the poll and show the results. Okay, just one more second. Yeah, and uh, Jim, just yes. to add on to that, we have raised 30% of the funds we're looking for, and we're generating enough revenue to see us through uh, at least 12 months from now. So okay, we're okay. good to go with that. Okay, well, that's good. That is very good news. It's very good news, and um, yeah, um, fabulous to hear. And again, I'm very interested in being a customer of your product, uh, ASAP. And it's good to hear that uh, you don't see cross-border adaptability or cross-border issues as a limiting factor. So I'm um, looking forward to seeing that. Okay, I'm gonna end the poll now and share the results with everybody. And as you can see, um, uh, we have a bit of a mix. Um, we do have 17% uh, uh, with a strong endorsement, um, but also a good number who, um, uh, in the middle and at the lower end as well. So thank you very much, Tesh, for your participation. And I'm going to stop sharing that now. And again, I think uh, the kind of tools that you are building are really, truly important. And I, I also appreciate the fact that you are adapting something that we know is valuable and useful, um, Salesforce, essentially, but adapting that to the African market, I think, Personally, there is a tremendous amount of value in adapting tools such as the ones such as uh, CRM and, uh, and Salesforce management to uh, developing markets uh, use cases. And we all know that they're very, very different than what we uh, use them for in the US and in Europe. So kudos to you for going down that route. All right, so uh, on that note, any final words from you, Vincent or Piers, before I end the meeting? No, thank you very much, it's been good fun. Great, thank you everybody for joining us. And thank you, Jim, I really found this interesting. Little fast, but really good. I hope, uh... And uh, now we have uh, switched to a new poll here uh, on will you attend the nest again? Please um, feel free to vote as you would like. And, um, and we will leave uh, this on for another couple of minutes as we go. But overall, I want to thank you. I would like to thank everybody for attending our inaugural The Nest show. And again, we will be having another show next week and the week after with new entrepreneurs from different parts of the world. And I do hope to see you again. I'm Jim Chu, and thanks for attending. If you would like to pitch, please feel free to, to this is a message to Eugene. If you'd like to pitch, please feel free to apply via WhatsApp. We ask for a 
30 to 60 second video sent to the WhatsApp listed on the website at findthenest.org.